All right. So, <clears throat> in preparation for this week, I was facing a bit of a quandary. So, as, uh, as you know, I uh, don't know when my baby is coming. And thus when I will be starting my paternity leave. So I want, so that kind of makes it really hard to um, plan a structured sermon series uh, because I don't want to get partway through and then just leave you guys hanging because I know that that would wreck your lives. <laughs> and I'm, I'm just so concerned about you guys that I don't want to do that to you. Uh, so we're, we're going to be, uh, until then, we're going to be looking at this intermittent sermon series. It'll come back again uh, over our years together. Um, it's looking at women in the Bible. And so as, uh, as we just heard, we're looking at this story that's traditionally been called The Woman Caught in Adultery, one of the most famous stories we have. And uh, it's this beautiful, profound story in so many ways. So there was this large crowd around Jesus, right? And he was sitting down and teaching. And, and as they were wont to do, his uh, foes, the Pharisees and the scribes, these, uh, the religious establishment, the, the folks with power in society, they're, they're busy trying to trick Jesus to trap him. They're trying to get him to say something that either drives his followers away from him or goes against the law. It's this classic case of entrapment, right? Of trying to make, make it so Jesus has no options uh, to get rid of him because he's a threat to them. And so the scribes and the Pharisees haul this woman uh, out and in front of him and throw, throw her in front of the crowd and She's probably disheveled and maybe, uh, maybe something hastily wrapped around her to make sure she's clothed. And, and his foes demand from Jesus, we caught this woman in the act of adultery. Moses' law says we need to stone her. What do you say? Right? They're trying to trap Jesus. It's a catch-22, is it not? It's, uh, you know, choose the first door. And he has to say to her face that he is condemning her to be executed on the spot, choose the other door, and it opens up the Pharisees to say, do you see this blasphemy? He, he just said, we shouldn't follow the law of Moses. He's not a real Jew. He's a heretic. You shouldn't follow him, right? It's real catch-22. And I mean, even as they fling this woman in front of Jesus, it's, we could see plain as day it's a trap because, I mean, well, a variety of things. It's plain that they don't care about the law, they're not trying to go and figure out what is, you know, the appropriate application of justice to make the society better, right? They're not doing that. They're not trying to figure out how to best be faithful to God's teachings. They're trying to trap Jesus. And so, for example, we, we see this coming out in who they targeted in this. And so if they were really trying to follow the law, then they would both haul the man and the woman out uh, because they're both responsible, um, under the law, and from just this one little tidbit of information, we know that they're not talking about this fair application. It's clear that it's a setup. And then, <clears throat> answer me this. <clears throat> I've been trying to figure this out. Exactly how do you catch somebody in the act of committing adultery? Like, I don't know about you guys, but um, 
I don't particularly make it a habit of mine to wander through people's bedrooms trying to catch people, you know, committing adultery. Uh, I don't know. It's just it's not my thing. It's it's a personality thing, right? It's not me. It's not my thing. Um, <laughs> so personally, when I read this, to, to my taste at least, it, it sounds like a sting operation. It sounds like entrapment, right? Because it's like they set it up so that they could catch her, so they could use her as a pawn with this feud with Jesus, because, I mean, uh, which, if it were true, it would be horrible, right? Because, I mean, if, unless they just happened to randomly run into somebody who this was applicable to and seize the opportunity to haul her before Jesus, which seems very uh, convenient if that were the case, you know, unless that were the case, they literally set her up a situation where she, remember, she could well be executed because of this, and uh, and just using her as a pawn, not caring about uh, about her, much less justice, right? Or but just trying to trick Jesus in this situation to win against him, to try and screw him up, right, for their own purposes, and and so which of the two options that they give Jesus? Which which of the two does Jesus choose? Is it Condemning her to death? Or is it saying, don't follow the law? It's neither. The Pharisees try and trap him, right? They, in this either-or situation where there's no way to win, there's two bad options, pick your poison, right? But Jesus comes up with this third option. When you look at the text, he kneels down and starts riding on the ground and doesn't answer. He's stonewalling them. He doesn't say anything. And notice what this does, right? Because if Jesus is riding on the ground and everybody's looking at him and what he's riding, who are they not looking at? The woman. And what are the Pharisees and the scribes doing with this woman? They, it, they, she's just this pawn, right, for this trap they're setting for Jesus, who's literally paraded in front of the crowd so that they can gawk at her, literally objectifying her, turning her into an object for their purposes, for intended for the voyeur's gaze, right? Jesus draws everybody's attention away from her and onto the ground, and we don't know what he writes. It may or may not be relevant. But what we do know is he took that harsh judgment and criticism that, that by design were being pelted at that woman and deflected it. He helped her maintain her human dignity even while the scribes and the Pharisees were actively trying to strip it from her. However... The scribes and the Pharisees were not okay with Jesus just not answering them. They had their beautiful trap set up, so you can't not answer. And so they press Jesus, and when he finally gives in, he says, All right, let him without sin cast the first stone. You're saying she's guilty and needs to be put to death? Okay, okay. The person who is nothing they should be punished for. Right, go ahead. You're the one who's so righteous that you can kill her without being a hypocrite. And one by one, the Pharisees and the scribes slink away, the oldest first, after which Jesus looks up in what I can only imagine to be mock surprise, and he says, wait, where'd they all go? Uh, Is nobody left to condemn you? 
Well, in that case, I guess I don't either. Go and sin no more. Jesus' third answer, his, his jujitsu, it dodges this trap that they set his way, right? It's this either-or answer that he provides, this third answer to, this third possibility. And then, and then notice where all this is taking place. All this is taking place in front of a crowd who's been there the whole time. Remember, at the beginning, Jesus was teaching Jesus was teaching. He started off teaching before he was so rudely interrupted. And this whole story is in the context of his teaching. And so the ending, I do not condemn you, go and sin no more, is an instruction delivered for the ears of the masses. And to my taste, it's this brilliant teaching. And it's, got, it's got these two parts wrapped together. It's, first, I mean, Jesus is showing that we ought to have this lack of condemnation. Right? We, ought to, we ought not judge. As with elsewhere, he's pointing out that we, so quick to jump on others' faults, yes, need to take a look in the mirror as well. And maybe we need to be a little less enthusiastic about blaming others if we want a measure of grace extended to ourselves as well. Nobody, Jesus contends, is blameless, and therefore one should not be so quick to blame. Jesus is explicitly teaching here. He's explicitly teaching the crowd a lesson, an object lesson, if you will, about the perils of judgment and hypocrisy, God's desire for authenticity and realness. But the second thing that Jesus pairs this with is go and sin no more. Because ultimately this story is not about one individual woman and how she's like a horrible person, right? That's not what this story is about. This story is about the Pharisees trying to trap Jesus and him spinning it around and turning it into this object lesson for his pupils, the people listening to him. So it's not just saying, don't be a hypocrite, don't judge others, but also admonishing the crowd that you can't just take that as a license to do whatever you want. Go and sin no more. There's this ethical imperative here. It's this call to a better living. Live your life morally, treating others with dignity and respect. Which, note, that's the exact thing that the Pharisees and scribes weren't doing for this woman, right? They were making her into object. They were entrapping her just to make their point. They didn't consider the human cost that it exacted on her. But Jesus says, no. Go and sin no more. Live your, live your life worthy of the grace that God has shown you and especially of the grace that we must show each other. So may you too go forth to live a life both full of grace extended to those around you but also worthy of of that grace which is shown to you in like measure. May it be so.